This is the Country Sport Breakfast with Brian Kelly on Gold Sport. It's business time. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. Well, let's get down to business with the Managing Director of Iron Duke Partners, Phil O'Reilly. Morning, Phil. Brian. I guess if you had any travel plans this past few days, you wouldn't have been able to get too far, would you? Well, I was supposed to be in, in Auckland um, <clears throat> Sunday through Saturday through Tuesday, and I left uh, Sunday morning thinking, gee, I think I know what's going to happen here. So uh, I've been in Wellington the last few days, uh, down to Christchurch later this week. Hopefully it won't be too bad. But, gee, the bravery of those people um, right throughout the, the upper half of the North Island, extraordinary bravery and resilience. So it's been such a inspiration to uh, to see that and so such a shock to see all the damage, of course, that's been done and the all the, the human lives that will be disrupted for months and years. So, you know, hats off to them, and, and uh, yeah. I'm sure everybody wishes them very well. Yeah, totally. Right, <clears throat> first issue, let's get into it, insurance. New Zealand's one of the most highly insured countries in the world, and clearly there's going to be a lot of payouts in the next few months. I think I saw the, a, a total yesterday where already they've paid out something like $23 million. What's going to happen to insurance in the future? Well, very interesting of this because it's you know let's talk about these these uh, this this cyclone event uh, today because you know that New Zealand is incredibly well insured and that's a good thing obviously and there's some um, on top of that of course we've got the government scheme the, you know the uh, the earthquake commission scheme which which is a sort of a, a socialised protection scheme which I think is very well supported by New Zealand is certainly well supported by business but of course what this is going to do <clears throat> is inevitably I suspect it's going to make things harder to insure on the one hand. And, and potentially, uh, you know, not be able to insure them if you've got a cliff top home or if you're living in a flood zone, uh, maybe you know you'll struggle. Mm. And secondly, it's much more likely to become more expensive, of course. And we saw that after Christchurch, we saw the biggest insurance event we've ever had, and this this may well be the second biggest. I don't know. I'm not an insurance expert, but gee, it's going to be big. Uh, and what you saw was a repricing of insurance, not just in Christchurch, but also where I live in places like Wellington, because now the insurance companies and everybody else understood more about the risk of of that insurance. And, and now, in fact, in Wellington, for example, as a result of the Christchurch earthquakes, you've got uh, effectively pits of Wellington that are, are now uninsurable, in a sense, from a from a proper insurance perspective. So what what we're going to see is a repricing of insurance and and talk about the availability of insurance, if, if, you, if you can get insurance at all. What does that mean for you, particularly if you're a business owner? What it means is you should be reviewing your insurance now. Even if you aren't in one of those affected areas, you should be thinking about that asking yourself, have you got the right level of insurance? What other risks have you got? And staying in touch with your insurance company or your broker if you've got one, just to make sure that you don't get any nasty surprises as, as insurance rolls around for annual review and maybe in the next few months for your business. So now's the time, even if you're affected to insurance and say, you know, are we, are we well insured? Are we properly insured? Is there something I don't need to insure, for example, whatever it might be? Uh, and and just thinking about that, otherwise you might get some nasty surprises uh, in the next few months as your insurance rolls around. Yeah, very, very good point indeed. You know, and the second issue I want to touch on, if we ever saw how bad our infrastructure is, <laughs> uh, we just saw it over the past few days. Is this going to lead to new action on infrastructure? I mean, you only have to look at the the, the, the ferries crossing Cook Strait. Well, that's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, we've for far too long in New Zealand, and I understand why this is where you know, some of this is unavoidable. We, we tend to have one road in and one road out to a community, particularly if you're in rural New Zealand. And the reason for that's obvious. We're in a big country with very few people, and it's, it's really expensive for us to build infrastructure because the earth moves around even not, even not including these weather events. 
Uh, and so, you know, we do the best we can with what we've got. But what I think that's demonstrating is two things. One, we've just historically underinvested in it, and we just need to get on with, with making sure that we do build some redundancy into systems, particularly into, <clears throat> into major cities. Like Gisborne being cut off, well, that's ridiculous. And, and being, having no access between Auckland and the north of New Zealand, that's ridiculous. We need to sort that out. But as we rebuild infrastructure and as we continue to build infrastructure, what we need to do, and the business community has been asking for this for some time now, is really think about climate resilience. These, these weather events are going to become more common. We're going to see more uh, droughts and so on as climate change starts to impact us more uh, that we can see. And so we're going to need to take account of that when we think about our infrastructure build and really start to build resilience. And I think now of all times, I think as New Zealanders have seen those shocking pictures of bridges and roads just collapsing, and that's months of delay there for those communities, I think the New Zealand public's now up for a very different debate about infrastructure resilience and building the right roads and making sure we get on with it. And uh, this is no longer potholes, Brian. It's now whole roads and whole yeah. bridges that are that are causing troubles. And uh, if the government was to show a leadership position, certainly if the opposition was to do that and say, we need to get on with getting infrastructure out of the ground and making sure it happens fast and that it's climate resilient, I think right now the public would say, we're with you on that. We think that's right. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Business, once again, right in the firing line here, communities, you know, bearing the brunt of the weather. How can businesses react in the next few days and weeks and months? I think, uh, you know, when you look at all businesses, we often think of, you know, the corner store or the tourism operator or the motel. They're all absolutely smacked. And if you're in Napier, that's just terrible news for you, of course. But, uh, you know, also farmers and orchardists and so on. And, uh, Yesterday at my favourite fruit shop, I couldn't buy lemons, for God's sake. You know, that's extraordinary, isn't it? We can't buy lemons right now. So uh, in downtown Wellington, so clearly, you know, some real challenges on supply chains and on the the, uh, the welfare of those businesses. You know, my sense is that there's a couple of, there's a couple of lessons we've learned out of, out of these kinds of events in the business community. The first is stay close to your employees, stay close to your people, to your staff and to your suppliers, because they're really the lifeblood of your business. And... You know, there's a, there's a big trust barometer that goes on around the world, the Edelman Trust Barometer. It's a big international PR firm that does this thing. And what they now find around the world is business is the most trusted institution, more trusted than government, more trusted than NGOs. Why is that? It's because business is the closest to the people these days. You know, you're talking to your staff, you're talking to your supply. Lesson number one is stay close to that. They're your team. And the second thing, I think, the second big lesson is small business in particular tends to be local. And I think now's the time to be supporting your community and they're supporting you. And we're seeing a lot of that on the TV, these, these incredible business owners and farmers just getting on with things. And I think they're doing staying close to your local uh, team, to close to your customers, close to your local council and so on. There's a real recipe, I think, not just building back in terms of your business, but also making sure that your business is truly seen to contribute to communities and communities to yours. And that's what most business owners actually, I think, seek. So staying close to your staff, staying close to your, to your customers and your local community right now uh, and uh, not getting your head down, getting back on, getting back on the horse and getting on with uh, with your work, I think, is, uh, is great advice for business owners right now in those affected areas. Very valid point. Hey, Phil, always uh, good to chat, mate. We'll catch you next Wednesday. Thanks, Brian. Cheers, mate. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. <sighs> and when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, or a, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.